We'd do a quick post-show analysis before anyone got the chance to disturb us. We'd stop talking the moment someone knocked at the door, preferring to wait to chat things through, perhaps until we were in the car again. Once we were alone, Linda would always be concerned about how any new material had gone down with the audience. Do you think it worked? It was important to her and she wanted truthful feedback. I had to think hard about what I said and how I said it. I had to be honest because I was her sounding board. There was no one else she could ask. She expected me to be dead straight, not just placate her. Looking back, I think I had more responsibility than I had realised at the time. Often I'd have to be justifying my remarks while negotiating my way out of town on the road, and it might be some time before we could relax into the journey home. Taking leave of Tavistock was a very different experience, however, as was the pre-show warm-up that September night. During the late summer, Linda had begun to sense that something wasn't right with her health. Sometimes it was a nagging backache, more often than not a very uncomfortable pain and bloating, which she seemed to be experiencing in the lower abdominal region. By this evening, though, we both knew something was not right. A few days before the show, our GP had sent her for an ultrasound scan and arranged an appointment near to home with a specialist at Newham General Hospital. So now we were getting a bit frayed waiting for the results. Linda coped marvellously that evening, as she always did. The show was great, but she was far from well. We both knew that it was time to take stock of the situation, and that, if necessary, the tour would have to be put on hold while she underwent further medical investigations. The journey back to London the next day seemed interminable. Linda's first experience of drawing a crowd came early, although the audience was not strictly hers, but belonged to a small motorised vehicle. Back in the early 1960s, her elder sister Barbara and Barbara's boyfriend Terry were the proud owners of an eye-catching three-wheeler grey bubble car. Legend has it that the bubble car and Isetta turned heads on its arrival outside the family masonette in Erith, south-east London. The whole family and several neighbours would flock onto the street for a closer inspection of this mobile curiosity. The whole family, that is except for Linda, who sat proudly in the middle of the front bench seat, not a seatbelt in sight, no doubt enjoying her first taste of the limelight. For Barbara, the day Linda was born was the best day of my life. She doted on her little sister, even though her arrival meant that the focus of the family shifted away from her onto the baby. Soon afterwards, Barbara, then 15 years old, met Terry Giles, 16, at All Hallows-on-Sea in Kent. Terry soon found out that his 15-year-old girlfriend came as a package with her two-year-old little sister. We took her everywhere, and people used to think that she was ours. In the 60s, it was quite frowned upon, no wedding ring. We used to get funny looks. I liked having her with me, but Terry didn't. Linda later said that she hated the idea of Barbara getting married, because I didn't want her to go away. This was particularly understandable in the circumstances. Without Barbara, there would no longer be anyone to act as a buffer between Linda and her warring parents, to block her ears in the night during a row. After Barbara and Terry got engaged, Linda made a last attempt to scupper their marriage plans. Barbara says, The vicar came round to check where we lived. He knocked at the door and said, Are Barbara and Terry here? Linda said, No. Nobody that name here. She was six or seven at the time. Oh, the vicar said. Barbara and Terry... Terry Giles and Barbara Boyce? No, nobody here, Linda insisted, and slammed the door. Recalling the same incident, Linda said, 
I slammed the door and thought, that's it, wedding's off. I thought that would be an end of it. Mortified when he worked out that actually it was the right address. I really hated the idea of them getting married. When Linda was eight, her mother was badly injured in a road accident and spent several months in hospital. Barbara remembers getting a phone call on Christmas Eve, the year after she married Terry. Her mother Bessie was in a coma and very close to death after being run over by a motorbike on her way to take Linda to Brownies. Her legs and arms were broken and she had a fractured skull. The prognosis was bad. She was not expected to survive the night, but if she did, by some miracle, she would be completely disabled, perhaps even paralysed. Fortunately, Bessie was either made of stronger stuff than the doctors gave her credit for, or she was extremely lucky. She made a complete recovery and came home after four months at Easter. Linda's favourite aunt, Bessie C.